Is this chicken what I have or is this fish? What are you? An idiot sandwich. Idiot sandwich what? An idiot sandwich, Chef Ramsay. I was rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. How dare you? Congratulations, you're a meathead, son. But you know what? Don't ever put your hands on my underwear. This is Where's the yeah, I mean, you really don't make friends around here, do you? I... I didn't come here for that. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Snap Back to Reality, the podcast where we revisit the trash TV we grew up with and love to hate. I'm your host, Riley Ennis, and this is episode 51. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, let's see, what do I have in terms of updates? Um, well, the time changed the other night, two nights ago, whenever that was, so that's great. I love daylight savings time. I would give up an hour of my life on a weekly basis for the entire season of daylight savings if it meant that we could have the sun in the evenings. That means a lot to me, so I'm feeling really good about that. Um, not feeling so great about coronavirus, but you know, I'm not too worried that I'm going to get it, but who knows? <laughs> I genuinely like don't know how to feel. I was reading what what was it called? The Hot Zone, the book about Ebola that was like written in the 90s at the beginning of the year, like back in January. And that was right when the coronavirus news started to come out. And I was like, you know what? I think I'm just going to put this book down for a little bit. And I was feeling ready to pick it back up, but now it seems like the news cycle has kind of kicked back into high gear with all of that. So not feeling so great about that, but whatever. It'll probably be fine. Hopefully. We'll see. Um, I don't know. I just felt like I should say something. I felt like I needed to acknowledge it because it's happening, you know? Otherwise, things are kind of crazy at work right now, in my work life, was what I was trying to say. And I'm not really sure when they're going to calm down and there are going to be some updates I can hopefully give, just like life updates, but like, I don't know. Anyway, things are kind of nuts right now. So I'm going to take next week off just so that I don't have to stress myself out by, you know, trying to put something out. I, I can probably do it, but it will be a lot of stress on myself and that's something that I'm trying to avoid and you know it's all about self-care and knowing your own limitations in 2020 right so yes I'm going to take next week off um and then I'll be back after that and it'll hopefully be smooth sailing and you know I'll have given myself enough of a little time pad that I don't run into a time crunch and stress myself out for the rest of the spring I don't know I don't know we'll see how it goes so yeah, that is it in terms of updates. Not that any of those were really an update other than just letting you know about next week, but I guess that's it. That's all I have to say for this week. Let's get on with the show. Um, so this is something that I have been threatening you all with for over a year now, I think is the first time I referenced it. I'm so excited because I finally decided to do MTV's The 70s House, as it's called. So this show was definitely something I watched, I guess, as it was airing. I don't know. Maybe it was airing on a rerun or a marathon or something, but it's like a fever dream memory. I probably only ever watched it the one time. Maybe it only ever aired once and that was it. I don't know. I, I have no idea if it was even on reruns. Um, it just seems so obscure, and I don't know if a lot of people know about it, but it's completely on YouTube. There's one season, 10 episodes that are 20 minutes each. It's a super fast watch, so check it out, especially if you remember this as well, <laughs> because I couldn't really remember anything about it other than the fact that they lived in a 70s house, hence the name, and they had the hustle alarm. And anytime the hustle alarm went off, they all had to get up and do the hustle, no matter what else they were doing or what time of day or night it was. And I love that. And I really wanted to learn how to do the hustle, which is very easy. I don't know why, as like a 13-year-old watching this, I was so confused and enamored by doing the hustle because I was like, wow, that seems really difficult. But I was I was doing the uh, cha-cha slide and shit already. The hustle's not that hard. <laughs> anyway... Um, yeah, I don't remember too much about it other than that. Um, and I guess it, this was a time where there was some degree of cultural context for the 70s. Like, I don't know if there was, like, this was a intense nostalgia period for the 70s. But we had that 70s show, which I guess would have ended its run right before this started airing, because I think that 70s show ended in 2004, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, we also had the VH1 I Love the Decade series, so they had I Love the 70s, and then they had 
the second version of I Love the 70s, I Love the 70s Part 2 or whatever, whatever we'll call it. Um, so I was watching that. I, I loved all of that stuff. So I had that kind of background information, I guess, on the 70s, but I didn't know too much about it. My parents grew up in the 70s, so I guess I can ask them for more background information, more context, but I don't know. I felt like I had a pretty good idea about the major pop cultural events, so I could at least understand somewhat of this show. Well, I wasn't completely lost watching it. All that to say, that's my background on the show itself, so let's get into the history of the show. It ran on MTV, obviously, hence the name MTV's 70s House. Um, ran on MTV from July 5th, 2005 to September 6th, 2005. So I definitely would have been in middle school watching this. I definitely remember going into my mom's house and watching it in my bedroom there. So there was only ever the one season, which is kind of sad. I, I think it would have been fun to do this as like a continual thing. Um, but the show featured 12 contestants who thought that they were participating in a real world, some one of the people thought that he was going to be on road rules like they thought it was going to be one of those established mtv shows but instead they ended up having to participate in a 24 7 simulation of the 1970s so that means they lived all together in a 70s style house with 70s interior design they had to use 70s electronics and technology they had to give up all of their modern technology which of course in 2000 by like 2020 standards is ancient technology um their chunky ass cell phones and flip phones and ipads and laptops and things they had to wear 70s clothes eat 70s food use 70s slang they would get in trouble if they used any kind of modern language slang if they talked about modern media movies television that sort of thing and then each episode, um, the contestants were given a task, a challenge by Oscar, who is a parody of, homage to Charlie from Charlie's Angels. They only ever communicated him via, with him via speakerphone. Um, and then there was also Dawn, who was played by Natasha Leggero, which is fun. I didn't realize that Dawn, well, I didn't even remember who Dawn was. Like I said, I hardly remembered anything about the show. But I didn't remember there was a Dawn, and I had no idea that Dawn was a character played by Natasha Leggero. So anyway, that was fun. So she kind of acts as a liaison between the contestants and Oscar, and she introduces the task they have to do. They compete in these challenges. There's a winner who usually gets a prize, and then two losers who go on to an elimination round. There's a specific challenge for that, usually like a game show style Although in the first episode, they had to play like the game Operation, which was fun. And then the person who loses leaves the house. And the winner was of all, everything, after everyone leaves the house other than them, um, wins a 2005 Volkswagen Beetle and an HP prize pack, which has like a phone, an iPod, printers and stuff. <laughs> and basically, it was a competition that was supposed to see who could be the most 70s um like i said natasha Legero played dawn and then there was also the elimination challenge the game show host uh bert van styles who is played by bill dwyer and i think he was pretty popular on like mtv vh well not mtv but like vh1 like in the i love the i think he kind of cropped up as one of the comedians they used a lot um, also, Oscar, the voice of Oscar, I should say, was that of the creator of the show, Aaron Matthew Lee. Oh, also, in addition to their prize package and their Volkswagen Beetle, the winner won a trip to Europe, so that's fun. Now, this I did not know, which I thought was super cool, and I really want to go back and watch this because I definitely missed out. I did not hear anything about this happening. In 2017, there was a similar show that was centered around 1990s culture called 90s House, um, which is hilarious. I really want to watch that, like, see them using, what is it, 90s technology. I just wonder what the interior design looks like. Is it just a bunch of plastic blow-up furniture and, like, see-through electronic cell phones and shit? Not cell phones. I meant, I meant landline phones. <laughs> That's like so foreign to me. I don't even think about landlines anymore. Oh, speaking of landlines, um, I don't think I said this 
I said this earlier because I tried to record earlier, but it was a mess. So I was like, I'm going to give it a minute and then re-record. Um, the phones, like the technology that they had to use in the 70s house were like rotary phones and things. So it's fun to watch them struggle with it. Um, I feel like we would still struggle. With it. I mean, of course we would. I wonder what you would do if you gave a child a rotary phone that has only ever grown up on like a touch screen cell phone. Because at least, you know, these kids were 90s kids, you know, 90s kids. So they used like landlines and phones you had to press buttons on and things like physically interact with the phone itself rather than just touching a screen. I digress. I don't know. Remind, my ne remind me and we'll give it seven years <laughs> to give my niece Charlie a rotary phone and see what she does with it. All right. So... How did I, that's it for the background, by the way. There's not a lot. It's not, like I said, it's kind of an obscure show. So that's all we get. Um, so how did I choose the episode that I'm talking about? So I was between two. I was between episode four and then this episode, which is six. But ultimately I chose to do this one because of the very, very ending. And then also the elimination challenge is astrology themed, um, which, you know, I'm a bitch who loves astrology. So I can't help myself. I had to go with it. Sidebar, since we're not going to touch on it in the episode otherwise, I was very excited because in the very first episode, they show all the contestants coming into the house and whatever, and their little chirons that pop up at the bottom of the screen, you know, where it has like their name on it. It had each of the contestant signs, and I was like, oh my gosh, that's awesome. So like instead of having it like their age or their jobs, like a normal show, it just had their like astrology, like astrological signs. Um, so I remember Linda, who we'll talk about, is an Aquarius, and Corey, I believe, is a Capricorn. I didn't write down all of them. I didn't go back because I thought that they would continue to go throughout the rest of the seasons, that it would always just pop up with their, their sun sign. But no, it was only on that very first episode, so I'm a little bit sad about that. But I was very into it when I was watching it. I think I like tweeted out, I was like, wow, this show was so ahead of its time despite being set in the 1970s. Which, by the way, just to plug my Twitter again, it's at Riley Said So. I have a Twitter now. I don't use it too much, but I it's whenever I have a random thought that I just want to broadcast to the greater world. So, like, as I'm watching these shows that I watch for this podcast, I, you know, will, like, occasionally tweet about them. So if you want, like, a preview on what I might be talking about in the future, I would recommend you following me on Twitter. Just because that's where I'm probably going to say the random bullshit shit that I want to say. Okay, moving on. MTV's The 70s House, Season 1, Episode 6. Like I said, this one is called You're So Vain. So let me just go through the contestants who are still around at this point so you are not too just thrown into the mix. Right now there are six contestants left. There are three guys and three girls. So the girls are Jamie, Sarah, and Ashley. And the boys are Corey. Oh, nope. There are seven. Jamie... Sarah, Ashley, and Linda. <laughs> Sorry, Linda. And then three guys still, Andrew, Joey, and Corey. I hope, I hope I'm not leaving someone out. We'll find out as we go through the notes, won't we? Anyway, it opens with Corey's making food for the gang. And Linda, who I only remembered because her name is right there, sorry, uh, says in her little talking head voiceover moment here, which their talking head interviews are always just them being interviewed in various parts of the house, like sitting on a couch or sitting at the kitchen counter. Um, so she says that she has gained 10 pounds from the food. They don't really like the food. Andrew says that the food is ridiculous. It's things like bologna with olives in it and TV dinners. And they think it's getting really old pretty fast. So that was just our little teaser. The theme song happens. The theme song is, I like the theme song. It's like catchy. And it has all of the various housemates transforming into like their 70s versions of themselves. Talking about how they didn't realize that they're going to be transported back to the 70s. Um, so we come back from the theme song. And we have the various members of the house just hanging out together. So Sarah says in her little talking head that living in the house without any kind of modern luxuries has really forced them all to bond. 
a few people are playing a board game together and then Linda and Andrew are sitting together on the couch talking or at least Linda is talking to Andrew Andrew's playing around with a guitar and doesn't seem like he's too invested in her story but you know maybe he cares but basically she's just telling him about how she was the oldest sibling and had to watch Barney until she was 15 years old all right, little side note right there. Um, I had to stop because my cat was screaming in the background of that last little bit. I'm sure you could hear. Uh, she's fine. She wanted to play. And that's the sound that she makes when she wants to play. Isn't that fun? <laughs> so anyway, um, Linda's talking to Andrew. Joey and a few others are playing board games. Joey says he finds it all very amusing. We get a cut to outside. There are a few people throwing a frisbee around when Dawn, a.k.a. Natasha Legero, keep up, <laughs> but I'm only going to call her Dawn, um, pulls up in her van and she like fucking Tokyo drifts it into the driveway. She really like, it's a little bit concerning. Like she literally is booking it down the street and up into the driveway. And this is a residential area, ma'am. What if there were children playing? There are people outside playing Frisbee. Like let's calm down a little bit. Uh, she hops out of the van. She's wearing, all of her outfits are on point the entire season. She looks so good in every single shot. It's amazing. But she's wearing this little yellow jumpsuit and she's got her hair in these, I guess not quite space buns because I feel like space buns are on the top of your head and she has these little like side buns on the side of her head, kind of like Leia, but not as big and fluffy. Um, she has a little tiara on. And Dawn leads them into the living room to get today's challenge from Oscar. So the speakerphone is on the table and, you know, she's going to press the button and get Oscar on the line. And what I love about this is Dawn's, I don't know, just commitment. Her characterization is really fun the entire time. Um, like, she just is always, she's talking, she's a very cool cat. So, for example, she's like, come on, kittens, let's snap to it. Like, that's just like a fun character to play. So... Uh, Oscar comes on the speakerphone and he says that today's challenge or he says let me introduce you to today's challenge by laying some heavy philosophy on you beauty is in the eye of the beholder so that basically means that they are going to be participating in a 1970s style beauty pageant um, Andrew's immediate reaction is that Jamie is going to have this in the bag because she's a pageant girl already and Ashley explains in her little talking head that Jamie is apparently Miss Teen Indiana USA. So she says if she doesn't win it's going to be kind of weird. So as we all know when a show does this uh, basically famous last words. <laughs> so keep an eye out for Jamie in this one. Oscar also explains that there are no teams for this challenge. So previously they had all competed on teams and there would be a winning team that would be safe and would get a prize and a losing team. This I'm pretty sure is the first challenge of the season where it's gone to individuals. So it's every man for themselves. Ashley's pretty excited because she is usually on the losing team despite being probably the smartest person in the house despite being the youngest person in the house or at least the person who watched VH1's I Love the 70s because she has some kind of cultural context and knowledge that no one else seems to have. Ashley also I don't know if they were going for this if they were trying to cast these archetypes but she definitely gives me like Mila Kunis in that 70s show vibes. Just like all of her outfits are very mm, Jackie inspired her hairstyles I feel like she like looks similar I don't know. Let me know if you guys think the same thing if you happen to go back and watch it on YouTube. So Oscar goes on to explain that they're going to be competing in the pageant um, and it has three 70s events. How good you look in a 70s swimsuit. How well you can speak on 70s issues. So I guess like a Q&A speech section. And then a 70s style talent. So then we get a little cut over to Jamie and now she's pretty worried because she doesn't have a talent. And she says that, I just stand there and try and look pretty. And bitch, how are you going to be a pageant queen with no talent? Like, isn't that a pretty basic category in a pageant? That you have to have some kind of talent? Like, I haven't even seen Miss Congeniality, but I know the talent scene. And yes, I don't get on my case. I know, I know. Get in line behind everyone else who wants to talk to me about the show, the movies I haven't seen. Whatever. So the gang heads out to the pageant studio in Dawn's van. Well, half of them are in Dawn's van and the other half take a station wagon. I guess they have like 
three cars at their disposal that they can use to get around. So there's the van, which may or may not always be there because that's usually how Dawn rolls up. Um, but there is a station wagon and then a charger, I think. And then one other car, I want to say. Um, but they are all immediately rushed into hair and makeup as soon as they get there. And I guess Dawn somehow got there way ahead of them because she has made an outfit change. Uh, she's now wearing a flowy blue gown and she has her hair like down and it's all feathered like Vera Fawcett. Um, so she tells everyone to pick out their outfits and we get a quick little montage, mostly of just the girls getting dressed. And Ashley puts on this horrible, ugly, bright orange tear dress and she asks someone off camera if they like it and whoever that person is says that they don't they think it's really ugly and yet Ashley chooses to keep that on as her pageant gown and she wears that for the rest of the, the competition so bold choice um but Dawn reminds him that the pageant isn't about who looks the best but it's who's the most 70s so that's sort of the thing that they have to keep being reminded throughout the entire season as they get really wrapped up in the the individual tasks without thinking about the fact that the overall competition truly is just to be the most 70s. So Ashley has a voiceover here where she says that she's the most beautiful person in the house, but if she loses, it's going to be to Andrew because he looks a lot prettier than all the other girls. And so Andrew is kind of strutting around in his little bathing suit that he's going to wear for the swimsuit portion of the competition. And yeah, he's quite pretty. So what can I say? As they all walk out on stage, we see like a quick flashes of several of the guys having little talking heads and they're all talking about how they're nervous because they have no idea what to expect, which is kind of funny. I wonder if this is the first time any of these men have really been in a situation where they're going to be judged based on their, like truly just based on their external appearances. I mean, like everyone is based on how you look, like day to day, people judge you based on how you look, but <laughs> you know, we all know that like, there's a whole nother layer of patriarchal society bullshit that like is put on women and feminine looking people. So, you know, <laughs> just me injecting my little like feminist critique because I can't help but do it. So lights up on stage and we see all six, seven, how many did I set, decide that there were? It's seven, right? I counted, right? Yes. <laughs> Uh, all of the remaining contestants will say, we won't number them, in their suits and their gowns. And so the pageant stage is kind of set up where there's like a little stage area at the back and then there's a little catwalk runway thing that they can walk. Um, there's a sign behind them that says, Mr. and Miss, red, white, and blue. And then there are actually people like lining the catwalk like in the audience, I guess, ready to watch the pageant. So we are introduced to the Master of Ceremonies, which is Eric Estrada, uh, famously of the television show Chips. Um, Andrew says, as soon as I see Eric, I recognize him from an older TV show with police officers. I believe it was called, what's it called? So yeah, he doesn't know. Uh, I knew, but the only reason I knew that was because of all of the I Love the 70s that I watched, like I mentioned. And Eric says, <laughs> so I'm, Here's another moment of me being a dumbass and not understanding reality TV like the first time I watch it and then I have to watch it again and then it hits me. <laughs> so Eric says, for 30 years, the red, white, and blue pageant has been a celebration of grace, intellect, and swimsuits. Let's meet our judges. And so then he goes through. <laughs> and the first judge is Ellen Gurney Sterling. She's chief administrator of the American Beauty Pageant Organization. So I was like, oh yeah, okay, great. I'm on board. The second time I, I watched this through, I realized that pageant is misspelled as P-A-G-E-N-T. It's missing a second A there. But I was like, whatever, it happens. You know, it's just a little typo that I caught. That's fun. Um, and then the next judge is Mr. Maxwell, who's a style critic for Women's Clothing Weekly. And I was like, yeah, sure, that all checks out. Women's Clothing Weekly, that's a real magazine. Mm-hmm. And the final judge is Candace Day, who was Miss Red, White, and Blue herself from 1977. And I was like, wow, this actually is a real pageant that they're referencing. That's so cool. Like, these are all real people. This is the first time I watched this. So then, thank God I watched things at least twice, because I always watch it once, and then I always watch it a second time to take notes, at least. As I was doing my notes, I got to the, the third judge, the full, fully it was the third judge 
and I realized that it was fucking Maria Bamford <laughs> and I was like oh my god all of these judges are fake this is it's all fake I'm so stupid um so <laughs> uh yeah that was fun so Eric no not Eric <laughs> Andrew the actual contestant Andrew says that all of the judges have a superb look on their faces like they think they're better than them I think he means superior but you know I, I can't I can't call him a dumbass because I just had that fucking dumbass moment so whatever we'll call it even um Jamie says in her talking head that she doesn't think the pageant's going to be difficult and she knows that she'll do well so she's just going to laugh her way through it and I really think I have a chance of winning so we'll see how that goes Eric announces that the talent portion is going to be the first part of the pageant and Jamie immediately mutters oh my god under her breath so she's not feeling great about her chances so one at a time we see the various contestants introduce the talents that they're going to be performing Andrews is going to be funky disco painting Sarah has chosen miming which I think is probably because in one of the earlier episodes the winning team their reward is being entertained by a bunch of mimes which no one really is into but I guess she figures hey this is something that I can probably do that is obviously 70s related since I was subjected to it um Corey is doing a card trick and Ashley says that she's going to be reading a poem that she wrote and then finally uh Linda is going to be hula dancing so we see Linda's hula dance and that's actually pretty good I don't know if she is Hawaiian um but she looks like she's been doing hula dancing for I don't know at least a couple months <laughs> um then Jamie says that she is up and or Jamie's up and then she says that she's going to do baton twirling and then she looks straight at the judges and says with all of the confidence in the world that um she's going to be doing the grooviest baton twirling that they've ever seen so she starts twirling and she immediately drops her baton and so in her little talking head here, we're told that she has never twirled a baton in her whole life. And she can't twirl the baton in a circle. All she can do is move it to the right and then move it to the left. And then we see her drop her baton again. It's all very dramatic. There's like background music that's like dun dun anytime the baton drops. And it cuts to the judges' faces and they're all like looking very stricken and shocked and upset that she would drop her baton. But she's just like, oh well. We see little clips of some of the rest of the contestants. We see some of Sarah's mime act, and I guess she's pretty good for being a mime. I don't really know how to judge miming. Like, it's no professional miming, but it's very passable. Um, Mr. Maxwell, the judge, looks extremely uncomfortable during her whole act, I guess. Ashley's poem is fine. <laughs> I don't want to be rude. <laughs> So she's like sitting very casually on the little like risers that are on the back of the stage and we hear a few lines of her poem and it's nonsense. She says, sweet syrup cascades upon satin floor steps, another replay of the beautiful rose, all is well. Which means nothing! It's just a bunch of pretty words that you threw together. Andrew's funky painting is fun. He's just like swaying back and forth to the music while he's drawing an abstract like music note looking thing on a canvas. But he's like really getting into it. So, you know, you just got to commit to the bit. That's how you win in this kind of thing. Corey, his card trick is very low energy, but he impresses Eric Estrada. So, you know, points for that, I suppose. And then the person who's probably the best out of the entire talent show is actually Joey because he's he plays this like little original song that he wrote about the 70s and it's actually very good and very impressive. It's fairly short so I thought I'd include it. My platforms give me height TV's black and white Playing pong each night that's pretty impressive for something that he probably just made up in like 10 minutes backstage right mr maxwell seems impressed as well and he has not seemed particularly impressed by any of the other contestants so at least he you know won over the most difficult judge 
Eric announces the next portion of the pageant, which is going to be their swimsuit competition. They all strut their stuff on the runway in their various swimsuits. I think part of what they had to do was also like incorporate some sort of prop because they're all carrying something. Um, Andrew has like these small, tight little swim trunks and he's got this little like pail and shovel. Um, Mr. Maxwell certainly seems to be enjoying the view as Andrew walks down the runway. Jamie just has her baton because, you know, I guess she just was like, my, I'm committing to this. Might as well make this my prop, too. Just let it go, girl. Um, Linda is my favorite, I think, because her prop is one of those, like, shitty wiffle ball plastic, like, almost lacrosse net looking things that you can use to, like, throw the ball. So she just, like, walks down to the end of the runway and, like, yeets her ball out of the little ball yeeter whatever <laughs> whatever it's called I don't know um and then Ashley's walking down the catwalk she has her little swimsuit on it's a cute little one piece that actually like I would definitely wear in 2020 and she has a little volleyball that she's holding and as she walks down the runway she has a voiceover and she says that it feels good to walk down the runway because when it comes to girls I think I have one of the best bodies in the house I think I look the best in the swimsuit portion and so then as she turns back around and walks back up the runway, we uh, have the editor slipping in a little clip of Carly Simon's You're So Vain. And I just love this little shady moment. And of course, they like named the entire episode after her, too. It's like it's so shady. It's great. So then Eric announces the final portion of the pageant, which he says that Mr. and Miss Red, White, and Blue must not only have the poise and the look, but also the brain. So with that, the speech competition begins. Um, each of the contestants must answer a question from the judges, which is, I guess, really just like extemporaneous speaking on issues that took place in the 1970s. So Linda goes first, and the judge tells her, in your own words and opinions, what happened at Watergate? Which I feel like, you know, is a little bit of a softball because it's literally just what happened, which, you know, we can, you only have probably like two minutes to answer anyway. Like you don't have to go into detail. I feel like that one is pretty straightforward. I don't know if she starts her answer at all. It might just be editing, but she at least ends her answer with, we can only move forward and hope that we entrust or hope in the future when we entrust our country into someone else's hands, they won't do the same thing, which is true, but she didn't really answer what happened unless she said it in the first part that the editors cut out. As she tries to step back onto the risers after this, um, she trips and falls like flat on her ass. And since she knows that poise is one of the requirements, she's thinking that she got some negative marks right there. Um, Corey's next, his prompt is, please share your thoughts about the presidency of Jimmy Carter. Uh, <laughs> so he says that in his talking head, his strategy was just a bullshit, which, you know, I think that's everyone's strategy. Can you call it a strategy though? I don't know if that's really strategizing anything. But he starts out as saying, uh, okay, so to start, uh, I think America is great. And it did not, I didn't realize until that moment that I can no longer just hear the words America and great in the same sentence again without getting a little bit triggered because like that raised my blood pressure in that moment. So that wasn't too fun. We see some quick clips of Andrew and Ashley and they're just like answering their questions about the Vietnam War and the gas crisis, but it doesn't really linger on them. So I'm assuming that they probably know what they're talking about at least a little bit and answered fairly articulately and then it's Jamie's turn and something I just realized like right now as I'm recording this is that not only is Jamie's answer like reminiscent of the whole Miss South Carolina incident about uh, children in uh, America not knowing about South Africa and the Iraq or whatever she said um, but Jamie straight up just looks like her too it's kind of funny um, so her question is so easy. It's like the easiest question of the bunch. And she gets asked, what is the most significant technological advance of the 1970s? And her answer is, you know, young people these days are just not really informed about things. And she just like dissolves into laughter. Ugh, come on, girl. You're not informed about things. Don't blame it on the young people. 
Um, then Joey also kind of bullshits his answer. Uh, he gets asked to discuss any book written in the 1970s, which I also think would be pretty easy. I, oh, oh, my mind, because when they were asking this, my mind went to the joy of sex, which I might be the 60s now that I'm thinking about it. But I'm going to go check right now because I'm curious. Okay, it was first published in 1972. I'm fucking awesome. I, I win the pageant. Um, but no, anyway, Joey's answer is that he's pretty sure there was a Dr. Seuss book written in the 70s, and he starts to recite lines from Green Eggs and Ham, which was not written in the 70s. And then finally, we see Sarah, and her topic is Gerald Ford, which I think it's literally just like, talk about Gerald Ford. Like, no context on who he is, which you should know, but Sarah doesn't. Um, so she gives a very rousing speech about how incredible and amazing Gerald Ford is. And, you know, it really ends with just like a call to action where she says, just the name makes me think that we can all be the best people we could possibly be if we just try. And she gets a standing ovation from the judges and from everyone watching the pageant. And that, my friends, is the power of charisma uh, because she had no fucking idea who he was. Um, so as Sarah hands the mic back to Eric Estrada, he says, wow, some thoughtful and deep discussions we had this evening, which is just, you know, he's being sarcastic because they're all fucking idiots. Um, the judges are told to tabulate their results. And while that's happening, we get some voiceovers from the various contestants. Uh, my favorite is just Ashley saying that she hates her dress and she looks like a curtain. Why did you wear it then, girl? They were like, I saw those racks. There were like 20 dresses you could have chosen from, and you went with your curtain dress, and now you have to live with it. So it's finally time to announce the results. The first runner-up, nope, the second runner-up, my bad, is Sarah. Ashley is the first runner-up, which means the winner is Andrew. Just as Ashley predicted, the only person that won over her was Andrew. Um, and so he says, my name gets called and I have no idea what to do. I felt really stupid, so I just put on this pageant queen face. But I feel like this is one of those moments when he's like, yeah, I felt so dumb. But like inside, he's like living for it because he is hamming it up for the camera. He's like taking his victory walk down the catwalk. He's throwing flowers to the crowd. He's blowing kisses. He's just, he's loving it. He's living. Um, and then Jamie is embarrassed because she thought she'd do well, just like everyone thought she'd do well. But, you know, if there's one thing that we've learned from RuPaul's Drag Race, it's that doing well in pageants does not necessarily mean that you're going to do well on a reality TV show. So back at the house, the gang all piles into what's known as the shag room uh, because of the shag carpeting, you perverts. And <laughs> they're going to call Oscar and find out who's up for elimination, basically. So they call him. Oscar congratulates uh, Sarah, Ashley, and Andrew all for placing at the pageant. So they're going to have a reward, as always. Um, so the rewards are interesting. Some of them are kind of fun. Some of them are pretty good. Some of them are just weird, like the mime. Um, so some past rewards that I can think of. The very first reward was having fondue, which, like, fuck yeah, I love fondue. And everyone was like, what's fondue? I've never seen cheese like this before. Just being stupid and unappreciative of the fondue. Let me tell you, the hundreds of dollars I've spent on melting pot meals over my life, which is probably only, like, five that's just expensive but it's good um I love fondue there was one where they made 70s style t-shirts where they just like had a screen press like a screen printing heat press thing and it was just like a bunch of the guys upstairs making t-shirts um but this one is a good one so they're going to have an in-home chef come and prepare 70s style crepes so this is kind of a tie back to what happened at the very very beginning of the episode where they were all talking about how they're not about the food that they've had to eat all the tv dinners and things so they're pretty excited to get some crepes after the winners head upstairs oscar tells jamie that she received the lowest score in the entire pageant um basically because she just didn't take it seriously he specifically chides her from laughing during her speech um she's going to be the person who is up for elimination and then the other person up for elimination is Linda, specifically because she had talked earlier with Andrew and mentioned Barney. So like I said at the top of the episode, you can't even talk about stuff that didn't exist in the 70s or else you could be out of there. And as Oscar says, that's one dinosaur who wasn't around in the 70s. 
So Oscar tells the ladies that they have 10 minutes to study up on astrology for the elimination challenge. And then we cut over to Andrew, Sarah, and Ashley enjoying their crepes. The chef is making strawberry banana crepes. Uh, looks delicious. I love a crepe. I love a strawberry banana crepe in particular. I really love the uh, chicken Florentine crepes that they have at IHOP. I fucking love those. I could eat probably just chicken Florentine crepes for the rest of my life, but I'm sure they're super bad for me. Um, but they're delicious. They're covered in cheese sauce, and you can't go wrong with that. Uh, anyway, while I like dream of my own crepes, so are Corey and Joey dreaming of the crepes that they can smell but they're not allowed to have because they were not the winners of the challenge. Nice segue, me. Anyway, um, Jamie and Linda are flipping through their astrology books trying to study. I think they must have like a book or a pamphlet. There's only 12 signs, but they're flipping through these giant ass books and they're not really like getting down into it and studying the nitty gritty. I think there's like very specific traits that they've been assigned to learn for each sign. Um, because in her talking head right here, Jamie is saying like, Aries are energetic and impulsive, which is the exact same verbiage used later on during the challenge. Um, Linda thinks that she probably has a leg up on Jamie because she's already interested in astrology. So you go, girl. You would do very well in 2020. And then the scene changes. So we hear some like mystical chimes. And finally, what I've been waiting for this entire fucking season age of aquarius yeah so we hear this is the dawning of the age of aquarius two women are dancing by the pool and then dawn leads the two girls down to a game show set um, with a big background it's by the pool and it says what's my sign so mr burt van styles is introduced as the game show host and he thanks the two dancers earth and fire get it um, and then he welcomes the two women to the show, reminds them that the winner is one step closer to winning the grand prize of the entire show, which again includes the like car, the trip to Europe, the HP prize package. Um, in this moment, we're seeing like, you know, they show in the elimination challenges before they happen, they always show one of the things that's going to come up, like you're going to get in the prize package. And this time we see a chunky ass laptop. It's so chunky. <laughs> I honestly forgot how like thick laptops used to be because you know we're here in like 2020 with our laptops are like the size of a piece of paper. So Bert explains the game. Um, Earth and Fire will show five pictures of 70s celebrities. Bert will read the descriptions and the contestants need to buzz in by pressing down on their crystal ball that's in front of them because they're really just leaning into the full mysticism here. Uh, they'll guess which zodiac sign the celebrity is by using the language specifically, Bert, I'm picking up a blank vibe. So Farrah Fawcett is the first celebrity that they see. And first, at first, she is described as the greatest sex symbol of the 1970s. So I think Scorpio, right? But then he's like, she's touchy. And he puts like, he's like, puts a lot of emphasis on the word touchy so I feel like somewhere in their pamphlet or whatever they were referencing Aquarians were assigned touchiness as a trait um, because like as soon as he says that Jamie buzzes in and she says she's picking up an Aquarius vibe and that's apparently the right answer. I don't know if touchy is the word that I would immediately use as a description like a descriptor for Aquariuses but maybe I guess perhaps. I don't know. It was just like a very strange specific word. So it just reinforced the idea that they had some kind of study materials that they were given. Um, next up is David Cassidy. And so Bert goes on to say, he's like, he's energetic and he's about to say impulsive. But before he can get the whole word out, Linda buzzes in right away and she says Aries. So that's right. Next is Linda Carter, Wonder Woman. Um, Bert describes her as proud, so I knew what that was going to be immediately. Uh, Jamie buzzes in and says Gemini, but she's wrong because the right answer is Leo, and Linda gets it. And then finally, we have our last celebrity, or at least, you know, this could be the deciding, deciding person I don't know <laughs> the deciding round I guess um so it's Lee Majors and 
Bert describes him as being reliable. Linda says she's picking up a Taurus vibe. And then with three to one, Linda wins. She is staying in the house and Jamie will need to pack her bags and head on out. So Jamie says in her talking head that, you know, she didn't know what she was thinking. She thought, you know, just because she'd be in a pageant, it doesn't mean she's going to be good in a 70s style pageant. But I was like, I don't know if that's it. I think you should just have taken it a smidge more seriously regardless, and everything would probably be fine. However, she's out. She packs up and says goodbye to everyone. Um, Sarah sort of awkwardly tries to say, like, after Jamie leaves that, well, you know, we'll all have to leave eventually, but she doesn't really say it correctly. And she's like, well, one of you guys would have had to go home eventually. And they're like, oh, does that mean you think you're so good that you'll stay? And it's just like, an awkward moment where she misspoke I don't know but it's kind of weird it's, it's there's not like a lot of tension I don't think that this is an argument but for some reason they use this to then give Joey a talking head where he says the bickering and drama is really starting to get to him but it just like didn't seem like there was a lot of bickering or drama I don't know Earlier in the season, everyone was like shitting on Ashley for no reason, and that was drama, but that didn't seem to bother you then. You weren't sticking up for her then. It, I, I don't know. I'm sensitive about Ashley. I think she's sweet. I see a lot of myself in Ashley, so that's why I'm sensitive to her being picked on at the beginning of the, uh, the, beginning of the season. So then we see everyone go to bed, and they're just sleeping in their bed all nice and cozy and we see them at 1 25 a.m and at 2 40 a.m and they're all just drifting away in dreamland and at 3 35 a.m boom the hustle alarm comes on the lights come up they all have to hop out of bed and head into the living room and do the hustle and it's fucking hilarious <laughs> it's my favorite scene of the entire series because they have these like various cameras and there are ones there's this one camera that I'm sure is just, you know, up in the ceiling somewhere and it kind of has like a, it's a security camera kind of look and a security camera kind of angle. So like the very last scene is just them dancing like zombies in the living room on the security camera and it's just beautiful. It's wonderful. All right, so that's the end of the episode. So the where are they now? This was hard to do. I looked, I found them, you guys. Well, some of them, but this was hard. So the first person is we're going to do is Ashley. Um, so she is an actress, mostly in small roles. Her last credit on IMDb was in 2016, so I'm not really sure what she's up to right now. Her name is Ashley McCarthy. Ashley McCarthy, so it's kind of impossible to search for her. <laughs> like, you get her IMDb and that's it. Like, I couldn't find her Twitter or anything. Hopefully she's doing well. Um, she was in an episode of True Blood and also an episode of The Mindy Project, so that's kind of cool, but just kind of small background roles. Um, I also found a model profile on iStudio, which I don't know. It didn't look very legitimate. I mean, I, I'm sure it was hers, but it just didn't look like, I'm, it didn't look like she was booking a lot of work with that profile, I'll say. So hopefully she's doing well. Great. <laughs> Um, Sarah, just to touch on Sarah really quickly, uh, she seems to also have done some acting, but she only has two credits on her IMDb, one in 2009 and one in 2014. Not really sure what she's up to. I also couldn't really find more information on her. Andrew, um, Andrew is like just a normal, normal, schmormal, regular dude, married, he has kids. He is a general manager at a car dealership and the reason I know this is because I found his LinkedIn and the reason I know for 100% fact that it was his LinkedIn is because he put his 70s house appearance on his LinkedIn resume. And you know what, that's just the kind of energy that I appreciate in 2020. Corey I potentially found on LinkedIn, I'm not totally sure because Corey's like defining feature were it was his swoopy blonde surfer boy hair and you just don't have that same hairstyle 15 years later so it's hard for me to tell based on the profile picture if that was Corey or not. Um, this is just based on the fact too that it says on that LinkedIn that he was he went to school in California and I know that Corey was from California so it might be him but since I can't confirm it I don't want to like expose this random man and say what he's up to but he's just like a regular business dude kind of like Andrew. Uh, Linda I couldn't really find anything on. Joey I couldn't find anything on. 
And then Jamie, I found her on Instagram. She's married. She has a couple of kids. And it looks like she has a residential design and construction firm called Millworks. Um, so that's cool. She has like 3,300 followers on Instagram. So it looks like she's a little bit of like a lifestyle blogger, like a mini version of a lifestyle blogger, a mommy blogger. Not like super dedicated into it, but she's got, you know, a good chunk of, not a good chunk. 3,300 is nothing like in comparison to regular influencers, but I have like 600 Instagram followers. So like that's a good chunk to me. That's what I'm trying to say. That's it. I didn't want to do Natasha Leggero. Like we all know she's like living the dream. She's a stand-up comedian. She's on TV. Bill Dwyer. I don't know what he's up to. I could have done his Where Are They Now, but I just didn't feel like it. Because we, we don't care what celebrities are up to. We see celebrities all the time. We want to know what these average people are doing. Right? Right? Right. All right. <laughs> All right, guys, does this show hold up slash is it worth a rewatch? I say yes. Go watch it right now. It's so easy to find. Watch it before it gets taken off YouTube. It's super fun. It's a quick binge watch. Um, there aren't too many problematic moments that I noticed that were very, very obvious to me. I mean, anytime you dip into the 70s, it's always going to be a little bit problematic, but... There was really only one moment that stuck out to me with one contestant using the R word, um, which I don't love, but that's what people did in 2005. I know I did in 2005, so just content warning on that. Um, but the lack of mid-2000s technology, ironically, actually makes this show more timeless because the most dated moments were when we saw like them pulling out their iPods that were like, the first generation of iPod that like had a screen on it and it had like the wheel and everything and we saw their like cell phones and their horrible horrible 2005 fashion um also something that I noticed was generally all of the women looked really good in their outfits like I feel like I'm sure the material wasn't comfortable since they were all wearing like real polyester and the guys looked goofy but the girls looked great. They were wearing all of these like high-waisted pants and these cute little like dresses and jumpsuits. And I feel like right now fashion must be inspired by more 70s kind of silhouettes than it was back in 2005. But I don't know shit about fashion, so I could be really stupid. But I thought, I thought the girls' outfits all looked good. Um, so yeah, I would say give it a watch. If you haven't seen it before, it's pretty fun. If you have seen it before, definitely give it a watch. Like go back let me know does it hold up for you do you remember anything about it because I truly did not um but yeah it's like it's a good little show it's a fun little show so it's readily available for the watching currently okay you guys well thank you so much for listening once again um like I said I'm gonna take next week off to give myself some breathing room but I will be back the following week um, in the meantime, please give me a five-star rating and review or subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. You can find it on Facebook at Snapback to Reality Podcast, on Instagram at Snapback to Reality Pod. My personal Instagram is at really underscore Riley. I'm on Twitter at Riley Said So. And if you want to email me, I am at snapbackpodcast at gmail.com. But otherwise, have a lovely week. I will talk to you chickens in a couple of weeks. Bye.